Attention, ditto heads. Attention, Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now, here's Bo Snurdly. Welcome, indeed, to your Wednesday. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, here with you. It's Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour, and we do have to rush today because... There's so much in the news. If you'd like to be part of today's program, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-WABC. Apparently, there has been a verdict to reach with Johnny Depp and uh, Amber Heard. I always mistakenly call her Amber Head, and I don't nothing intentional, Amber Heard. And apparently, from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, Kev, 13 mil goes to, or she has to pay Johnny 13 mil, and then Johnny has to turn around and pay her 2 mil. Yes, well, uh, just in total, just to get the official verdict out of the way, $15 million total was awarded to Mr. Dept after the trial, and uh, Miss Amber Heard was awarded 2 million total. So 15 and 2 is 13 million total Johnny Depp has over uh, Miss Amber Heard. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there was a column today or or a, a news story about Monica Lewinsky, of all people, weighing in and basically calling this, this trial kind of a porn, which I find I found very interesting. There are multiple columns, multiple news stories that I'd like to touch on. We'll go through as many of them as possible. There was a story that usually I would have had a knee-jerk reaction to and just, oh, come on, oh, come on. But as I read through the L.A. Times version of the story, I thought to myself, maybe I ought to spend a little bit more time with this and not just do an oh, come on. And that is California's unprecedented reparations report. California has gone back this little the report, which is released today, a comprehensive look at the impacts of enslavement and generations of discrimination on black Californians and black Americans. And it, as I, again, I was going to have a knee-jerk reaction to this when I first read the headlines, oh, here we go, here we go. But as I was reading through um, some of the things in this report, it struck me that maybe this is a would be a good education for many people in this country on what the Democrats have done to America going back to the times when Democrats ran the slavery movement in this country and then the Jim Crow movement. And so if we have time, we'll get to that. If I can't get to this today, I am going to get to this at some point. I may even just hold a story if I can't get to all of it today because it is pretty intense. Uh, I may just hold it until Saturday when we have three hours and we can spend some time on it. But this is worth reviewing uh, there's a, another columnist in the L.A. Times named Granderson. I read about the story on Fox News. Fox News did a story about an L.A. Times columnist who's all ticked off. And so rather than go to Fox News, I went to look at the column. It was in the L.A. Times by L.Z. Granderson. And I... Here's how it starts. A number of so-called religious conservatives. So, okay, we see where this is going already. Religious conservatives. A number of so-called religious conservatives like to explain away national tragedies, be they natural or man-made, through the lens of 
God's wrath, or at least indirect punishment for sins. Presidential candidate Newt Gingrich blamed same-sex marriage for the 2008 economic crash. I don't quite remember that. Former Senator Rick Santorum blamed abortions for Social Security's troubles. That puzzled me. I was like, I, I, Rick Santorum usually is, you know, he's a very intelligent guy. He's not. So I thought, what could this be? And then I remembered what Rick Santorum was talking about. And this is the, it wasn't framed this way. Was the number of people in America, the millions of people that have been eradicated through abortions, millions, the low birth rate in America, and he then postulated that those things had an effect on Social Security, which they very well could have. So this isn't as far-fetched as Mr. Grandison would make it out to be, or kooky. And then he says one of the all-time classic remarks came from John Hagee, a pastor of a megachurch in San Antonio, who famously said, God caused Hurricane Katrina to wipe out New Orleans because it had a gay pride parade the week before. So God didn't wipe out New Orleans because of Girls Gone Wild, Mardi Gras Invasion DVD that came out the same year. God didn't punish the city for having a corrupt police department so well known for terrorizing citizens at the first sentence of a 2001 Department of Justice report read, the no PD, that would be New Orleans PD, has long been a troubled agency. And God didn't punish New Orleans for having hosted the largest slave market in the country. No. According to Hagee, God punished New Orleans with Katrina because drag queens were dancing on floats the week before. And by the way, I don't subscribe to this business of... Anyway. And then he goes on to attack Ron Johnson said recently, I think the solution talking about these these mega murders and the, gener- the general way that our country is going. Then he attacks Senator Ron Johnson for saying that I think the solution is renewed faith. Listen to the way Granderson writes that. Like Ron Johnson, who recently said, I think the solution is renewed faith, as if there's an agreed-upon faith or showing of that faith that we should all agree to return to. This is a direct attack. He then goes on to talk about the Pew, a Pew report that found the United States is already the most, the most devout of all the rich, end quote, Western democracies. And then we go to the nasty part. This L.A. Times columnist says this. Oh, let's go back to the paragraph before. It's not guns we have to fear, according to to the Hagee Santorum Gingrich theology. It is evil that threatens us. The adherents of this thinking say after any hurry and after any horror, we have to fight evil. Somehow or another, the idea that we have to fight evil is wrong, according to this L.A. Times columnist. My question, he continues, is how a nation that romanticizes, even monetizes its own evil beginnings, can even start to fight the kind of evil some of these politicos speak of. This is the country 
that turned Christopher Columbus from being lost at sea into a folk hero who discovered a land full of people. We are the ones who rebranded slave labor camps as plantations. We have Civil War reenactments in which people root for the bad guy. And yeah, considering that the Union is really just another way of saying the United States, the Confederacy would be the enemy. But we haven't been conditioned to think that way, have we? This is L.A. Times. The needle of our moral compass is susceptible to political spin. The kind of spin elected officials like he's talking about Senator Johnson deploy because it panders to our desire to see ourselves as good people. That's much more pleasant for us than acknowledging that we were never as holy as we like to tell ourselves. I mean, this guy, he goes further to say he wanted to ask Texas Governor Dan Patrick, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, about the killer. Dan Patrick annoyed this L.A. Times columnist by saying you cannot just change character without changing your heart. And you can't do that without turning to God. That offends this writer from the Los Angeles Times. He says, I would ask Patrick, when exactly did a nation built on stolen land, kidnapping, and enslavement turn away from God? I only ask Because after the shooting in Texas, Johnson said, we've stopped teaching values in so many of our schools. Now we're teaching wokeness, which isn't a subject in school, but certainly is one outside of it. So this writer, according to this writer, everybody in America, America is, was, was a began as an evil nation. And to this day, it remains an evil nation because of its beginnings. And there's nothing you can do about it. And people that bring God into the equation, why, they're just plain wrong. Because America's always been evil and godless. This writer doesn't even know the number of people that have given their lives. If you go back to the beginning of the country, this notion of a slave Every, he makes it appear that everyone in America was okay with slavery, and they weren't. This was a major battle. That the Civil War was not a major battle. That there weren't good people in America always, from the beginning of America, trying to improve this nation and make this nation one which we could get rid of the original sin of slavery. But according to this writer, nope, Columbus was an evil guy, Everything that comes from America is evil. This is a rotten, rotten country. And how dare anybody talk about God? When did we get the guts to talk about God? Because we've been so evil all along. This is what spews out of the Los Angeles Times in times like this. When we are all looking at what has taken place in Buffalo and Texas and so many other places, and we are saying that people have to return to a God-based center if they're going to regain their moral compass, that we are fighting evil. This guy questions the idea, why are we talking about evil? Why do we bring up evil? Evil doesn't exist. They're just ta- it's just talking points. 
we Republicans are looking through, quote-unquote, the lens of God's wrath, et cetera, et cetera. No, 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 no. But this is what's in the Los Angeles Times. Now, if you go from the West Coast, the left coast, to the East Coast, there's another one. This one written by Pamela Paul. Here's the headline of that. What to do about Americans who love their guns. Now, imagine this. We have to do something about these damned Americans who love the fact that they have guns. She says, coming of age, Miss Pamela Paul does, in the 70s and 80s as a kid, took in a fair amount of uh, public service messages. Smokey the Bear warned us that only you could help prevent forest fires. An actor dressed up as a Native American shed a single tear to get people to stop littering or at least feel guilty when they did. The crash test dummies made anyone bypassing a seatbelt look like a moron. Later, campaigns against smoking like the one featuring the singing cowboy terrified many teachers out of lighting their first cigarette. Obviously, not everyone transformed into responsible citizens. Notice, if you don't agree with any of this, you're irresponsible. While imbibing these messages between doses of sugar pops and Scooby-Doo. And she goes on and on and on, and then gets to her point about how do we change people with their love of guns. Here's how to start changing people's minds about guns. And this is what she says. The disquieting fact remains that a staggering number of Americans clearly want, even love, to own guns. Not only does this country have more guns than people, but over the last 30 years, Americans have grown less supportive of stricter gun laws. Astonishingly, in 1959, 60% of Americans favored a ban on handguns, except those used by police officers and other authorized persons. Today, that figure is 19%. Only 19% of the public thinks that people shouldn't have handguns, and this woman is upset. Miss Pamela Paul, New York Times. How do we stop you? Look, i got to take a break. We're not finished with this. And then we're going to weigh in with Beto. Because Beto had something to say about guns, too. WABC, Talk Radio 77. You never have to miss a minute of Rush Hour. You can listen live worldwide on the 77 WABC app or online at wabcradio.com. This is Bo Snirley's Rush Hour, and we're coming right back right after this. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snirley Rush on Rush. 77 WABC. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snirley. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snirley. Rush, Rush, Rush. You were young and your heart was an open book. You used to say, live and let live. Live and let die. I forgot what Bond movie this was the theme to. Oh, the Bond movie. I just saw the uh, uh, a few days ago. I just saw the last of the uh, the ones with David Craig. I mean, Daniel Craig. Wow. Yeah. 
And you know what also uh, broke? What is uh, also on the market today? The third installment of Obi Wan. So, all right, let's finish up with this uh, column from the New York Times, Pamela Paul. What to do about Americans, those stinking, rotten Americans who love their guns? Ms. Paul says that we, um, that, that, that given all the half measures, the overall inaction about controlling the supply of guns, we should make a really serious effort to lower the demand. And we should keep in mind that the killers in Tejas and Buffalo were both only 18. She suggests that we start by trying to get through to the next generation. On average, men who grew up in a gun-owning house who have shot a gun report firing their first gun at age 12. Women report firing their first gun at age 17. She says the gun industry spends an enormous amount of money on lobbying and on advertising, too. So we should all consider efforts, efforts to come up with a public health campaign that make guns less cool, less acceptable, less a part of the supposedly American way of life. We have to scare people, gross them out, even try humor. And then she talks about things we, we need more ambitious messaging to go after gun ownership. And before you shut all of this down as Tipper Gore territory or just say no to Nancy Reagan 2.0, consider the effect of other big public service campaigns. Between the start of the seatbelt campaign in the early 2000s, one report found usage rose from 14 to 80 percent. The drunk driving campaigns, friends don't let friends drive drunk. This started in 83. She says it's another one. And public service announcements helped reduce teenage cigarette use significantly. So she wants a forceful campaign, ads during major events like the Super Bowl and the Oscars. (laughs) The Oscars. Like what conservative is going to watch the Oscars and take seriously an ad saying don't have a gun? But we have to get through. We have to stop it because there are too many people in this country that own guns, and we have to change their mindset. We have to do something with these gun owners here, these people that like guns. Yeah. Today is a big day in history. Turning to another note. On June 1st, 1980, CNN, Cable News Network, the world's first 24-hour television news network, made its debut. The network signed on from its headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia, with the lead story about the attempted assassination of civil rights leader Vernon Jordan, and they went on to change the world. Another day in history, Benedict Arnold was court-martialed. That fits for this day. 
And, of course, this was also the release of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band by the Beatles back in 67. You know, Ringo is on, Ringo is, uh, on tour, his all-star band. And this is Ringo 79, and so is Paul McCartney, the two remaining Beatles. So if you have never seen any of the Beatles on tour or something, the chances are dwindling. You might want to take advantage of the Ringo tour this year and this summer. CNN back, Brooke Brawlwin, who used to be one of the most liberal hostesses, reporterettes, is selling a book. So now she's ragging CNN. Is it a book or that she's or or she's just doing a column? This is a column. This is not a book. I apologize. Oh, before I get that, let me correct something. Because I also reported that there were uh reports and I and I did report on the on those that the school door was left open in Texas and that's how the shooter got in just walked in. Apparently that is not so. There are now news stories that say that the teacher actually in question went to the door, kicked a rock away from it that was propping the door open and slammed that door so that the shooter couldn't get in. It is still under investigation. But the facts are very much different now that we are days out from the shooting. And that happens so often. The first reporting we get on something, and it turns out there are some inconsistencies by the time people really examine closely what happened. All right, back back to Brooke Baldwin. She's complaining because she was in the area when the Parkland school shooting happened, and she's accusing the network of turning away from her very important story down there to take news about Donald Trump and the FBI, and then not even coming back to her. She was going to interview a teacher, and lo and behold, the network just said to her, nope, got to go to Trump now. Talk about Trump. And this was while she was on her own show, she was furious about it. And she's complaining all sorts of things. Uh, there was a story yesterday about Brooke where she's saying that the networks look at these shootings as ratings bonanza. Why didn't you tell us that when you were reporting with all this liberal uh, 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 hatred for Trump there, Brooke? Why wait till now after they told you to leave? Eh? I'd love to interview this woman. Anyway, WABC Talk Radio 77. A lot more to go. We're coming back. Your calls up soon. Bolsonaro's Rush Hour continues right after this. Rush. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Bo Snerdly. On 77 WABC. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snerdly. Rush. Rush. Now here's Bo Snerdly. My recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right. On top. It's tricky. It's tight. Here we go. It's tricky to rock around. 
Bo Snurley's Rush Hour here on WABC Talk Radio 77. Your call is coming up in moments. I want you to hear something that uh, uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke, Beto, said. Now, when I first heard this, I had to check. Did he say this last year? Did he say this last campaign? Because he said something similar in the last campaign that he'd lost. And then he took it back and walked it back. So this guy flip-flops, flip-flops, flip-flops on the same issue. Actually, this was yesterday. Let's listen to Mr. Beto O'Rourke. Hit it. I just took the position that, that may not be politically popular, may be too honest, that not only should no one be able to purchase an AR-15 or an AK-47 because they're designed to kill humans and that high-impact, high-velocity round will just tear up everything inside. You'll bleed out before we can get you back to life. Um, but I don't think that the people who have them right now in civilian use should be able to keep them. So not only should should you not be able to buy an AR-15, this is the one that they always single on. Not only should you not be able to buy one, the people that have them now, and there are millions of AR-15 style weapons in this country. According to Beto O'Rourke, if you have one, you shouldn't be allowed to keep it. One more time, hit that. This was said yesterday. This is Beto O'Rourke. Hit it. I just took the position that, that may not be politically popular, may be too honest, that not only should no one be able to purchase an AR-15 or an AK-47 because they're designed to kill humans and that high-impact, high-velocity round will just tear up everything inside. You'll bleed out before we can get you back to life. Um, but I don't think that the people who have them right now in civilian use should be able to keep them. So if you have an AK or you have a um, if you or you have an AR-15 or an AK-47, uh, you should give it back. I mean, I, I guess you're going to give them to Beto or give them to some other Democrat. I don't know. Yeah, Whoopi Goldberg yesterday said that you can keep your other weapons, but she wants your AR-15. By the way, as usual, when Democrats talk like this, you know what happens? The sale of AR-15s go through the roof, and that is happening again now. They are selling like hotcakes thanks to these Democrats talking about confiscating them or banning them. Moving on, Associated Press. Let me just give a disclaimer. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Associated Press speaking. This is an Associated Press story. All people in the mainstream media, the suits, please relax, take some deep breaths, and calm yourself. This is not some right-wing kook site, in your view. This is your beloved um, Associated Press that put out this the following news story. Take a deep breath, have a seat, come on, relax, and be calm. Okay, here we go. Cyber agency, voting software, vulnerable in some states. <gasps> we were told that that could never be the issue. Electronic voting machines from a leading vendor used in at least 16 states have software vulnerabilities that leave them susceptible to hacking if unaddressed. 
the nation's leading cybersecurity agency, government agency, says in an advisory sent to state election officials. So let's really be clear. Um, you media executives, calm down. Have, just, just breathe. Monitor. Breathe deeply. Come on. In and now slow out. Sit down and relax. This is okay, and it's going to be okay. Let's go over the information one more time, shall we? Cyber agency, voting software vulnerable in some states. Electronic voting machines from a leading vendor used in at least 16 states have software vulnerabilities that leave them susceptible to hacking if unaddressed. The nation's leading cybersecurity agency says in an advisory sent to state election officials. The U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency, or the CISA, said there's no evidence the flaws... Please just listen to this. Again, deep breath. You media executives, deep breath. The U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency, or the CISA, says there's no evidence the flaws in the Dominion Voting Systems equipment have been exploited to alter election results. The advisory is based on testing by a prominent computer scientist and expert witness in a long-running lawsuit that is unrelated, unrelated, unrelated to the quote-unquote false allegations of a stolen election pushed by President Donald Trump after his 2020 loss. Now, let's unpack that, shall we? We were told, weren't we? that there's no way there could ever be any flaws in any Dominion machines. Anybody raising the issue that Dominion machines were anything but 100% accurate were kooks, nuts, whack jobs, wackadoodles, and jackasses. Well, it turns out that now the United States government itself, the government, the government is warning state election officials them Dominion machines got a problem. They got a software problem, and there's them there, Dominion machines, Esther. And some old hackers could get in there and start fiddling around and chase. Now, don't you worry. Don't you worry. There, the Dominion voting machines got some problems in them, but don't worry, they didn't affect anything. Trump was lying when he said Dominion machines had a weakness. He was lying about all that. If these machines had problems then, how can we be sure ever that hackers did not, did not, did not exploit those vulnerabilities? I'm just axing. Because it's a legitimate question. Now, the media machine the liberal machine in this country and their mainstream media accomplices have ever since the election 
poo-pooed the idea that anything could be wrong with any of these Dominion machines. Anybody who said so was a liar and deserved to be drummed out of contemporary society. But now, mere months before the November midterm elections, here's the federal government issuing a warning to election officials that there is a problem with the Dominion voting machines. The Dominion machines have a problem. This is not some kook right-wing website. This is being reported by the Associated Press, a trusted name in liberal news. The federal government is warning state election officials that the Dominion machines have software vulnerabilities in them. Just thought you'd like to know. Also, you know, the Supreme Court, Alito, today said, hey, you folks in Pennsylvania have to stop counting those votes for a minute. We're going to have to take a look at this. Here's the issue in a nutshell. Once again, once again in Pennsylvania, they're changing the rules as the votes are being counted. Part of the rules say on the outside of the envelope, you're supposed to fill in the date that you send it in. A lot of people didn't do it. So their votes weren't being counted because they broke the rules. And then you had a liberal judge. I think it's either a Clinton appointee. I I believe it's a Clinton appointee or an Obama appointee. Say, "Eh, I can't believe that we're not going to count the votes on such a minor thing. So what if we break the rules? This is what Democrats do all the time. If they don't like the rules, if they don't like what's in the law, they ignore it and they find some so-called judge to go along with it. Let us start on the phones with Viviana in Brooklyn. Thank you for waiting. You're on Bo Snurley's Rush Hour. Hello, Viviana. I have enjoyed what you have said. Um, I wanted to uh, let a lot of people who are not understanding the right to bear arms uh, in China, Canada, Australia, they don't have guns. And for that reason, their government can tell them that they could, in Shanghai, stay two months home and they were barred in their their apartments. Second, you have the BLM rioters. They came to a home that they said, you shouldn't be in your own home. If they had not had their own weapons, they would have gotten stomped on. And the other thing is, electives have their security details. They don't go without guns. So I heard Hugh Hewitt today, Bo, and he said, The most important issue is not to have your agenda. How do we keep young children in school safe? We have security with a school-based officer armed. Local police do active shooter shooter scenarios with shooter practice, practice, and drills with the kids. And then you deal with the mental health issue. Um, You know, so raising the age to 21 and the mental uh, health uh, issue. Somebody knew something was wrong with that young man and the one also in Buffalo. So these are are like warning signs, and people have to say something. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Viviana. Love you, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley. It is Bo Snurley's Rush Hour. We are going to step away for a brief second, but we are coming right back. Don't you go away. More of your calls and more news coming 
straight ahead. Be here. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush on Rush. 77 WABC. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush, Rush. Girl, <laughs> you found it. Junior Walker in the All-Stars. His first big hit, Shotgun. On WABC Talk Radio 77, remember John Katz is up next and also remember to download the 77 WABC app or go to WABC Radio to stream 77 WABC worldwide. And when you do that, when you download the 77 WABC app, also check out the podcast section where you can find all of my podcasts, all of my past shows, but that goes for everybody here. There's such an assortment of great podcasts and great shows, so check it all out, wabcradio.com. Let's head back to the telephones with Glenn in Long Island. Hello, Glenn. Yes, I did say Long Island. Hey, Glenn, how are you? I love your show. How are you doing? I'm good, you know, man. That, blow, that blows me away, that, that article. Uh, I thought those machines were invulnerable. Oh, that's what I said. I mean, I was <laughs> that's shocked. That's what we've been told. Right. But that's not the reason for my call. Uh, what do you feel about raising the age to 21 for a youth, a young adult, to purchase um, a semi-automatic firearm? That, that's what's in common with all these shootings, the amount of carnage. Because as fast as you can pull that trigger, a bullet will fly out. It, it's different. Um, in other words, like you have I, to I, no, I, I understand what you're saying, Glenn. Let me answer you because time's running short. I want to get to some other folks too. But you asked me what I think about it. I think we need to be really careful. You know, a lot of 18, 17, 18, 19, 20 year olds, guess what they're doing? They're in the military. They are serving America. They're protecting us. And what are they using? These same types of weapons. There are a lot of responsible young people out here. I think, I'm I, now, hear me, I'm not saying no. I'm saying I think we need to consider it. I think at this point we need to consider a lot of things. But I think we also need to consider more mental health evaluations and more serious profiling, heavy profiling, to see exactly who these young folks, and in some cases older folks, are if there are questions about their mental stability. And I think we do have to get serious about dealing with mental stability. So I think you raise a very valid point, Glenn. Love to hear from you again. Please call Andrew in Rye, New York. Andrew, welcome to Boston Early's Rush Hour. How are you, Andrew? Uh, James, I'm doing well. Thanks for taking my call. I love you, man. I, I find myself agreeing with you 99.9% of the time. Whoa. What I wanted to ask. What I wanted to ask you about, my brother, is um, election integrity. Uh What uh is being done nationwide and what can be done? I mean, I loved what Trump said about in his rally Saturday in Wyoming. Let's go back to paper ballots. You know, vote on one day, yada, yada. 
You know, without without election integrity, we're just the USSA, man. Well, let me. I think you know? you're look. Let me say something to you. Elect, election integrity is amazingly important to the future of the United States. We are not going to have a nation if we don't have and secure the election process in the United States. Because sooner or later, the the if you have the kind of distrust that we had this last time, it will continue to roil members of society, and it, it's not going to have a happy ending. So I do think we have to have election integrity. Now, whether paper ballots are the way to go on that, I'm not sure, to be totally honest. I know Tosh is supposed to be sure about everything, but I'm not. I'm not sure that paper ballots solve the problem. Look at what happened in Georgia. Georgia. The liberals, including Major League Baseball, owes the state of Georgia a major apology. They went into all, and so does Coca-Cola, and so does Delta, and all these woke companies that listen to these Democrats whine and moan about how Republicans were making things harder to vote against all of the evidence. All they have to do is read the bill. And they would have seen that voting rights were being expanded. What happened in Georgia a few days ago? Record-breaking turnout. No voter suppression. None of it. For a state that made it harder to vote, more people came out and voted. And we did not hear one story about it being rigged. So somebody should actually call into account all of these negative voices. And I do think when you have the AP reporting that the federal government is now telling us that Dominion voting machines are problematic, have you seen one television story about that today? Have you heard it reported anywhere else? Hmm. Hmm, he says. Why not? Joy, Brooklyn, New York. Uh Uh-oh, two Brooklyns today. Joy, how are you? Welcome, WABC Talk Radio 77. How are you, Joy? You're on Boston Early's Rush Hour. I'm so glad to get to speak to you. I I enjoy your show. I think it should be on longer, but I called to say a few things. Everyone always compares people in the military to people being able to, to own guns. 17 to 18-year-olds who are in the military, they go through extensive training. They are trained to kill with, with any weapon that is provided to them. So it's not the same as me when I was 17 or 18-year-olds picking up a firearm. I didn't receive any training, but I would have been old enough to buy one at 18. So that's not a good comparison. Number two, even though the Second Amendment does not contain the word abridge, basically all of the constitutional amendments have been abridged in some way. Under the Fifth Amendment, it says you, do not, you don't have to incriminate yourself. But you do incriminate yourself, and the Fifth Amendment does not apply in many of the contexts of civil cases. Um, you have the right to be protected from unreasonable searches and seizures. That has been interpreted over the course of its inception to mean several different things, where, yes, you can be reasonably seized and reasonably searched. The First Amendment, you are not allowed, as the whole thing says, to just get up and start screaming fire in a movie theater. You are not allowed to possess child pornography. So there are many rights that are abridged. So saying that the Second Amendment, it doesn't have any restrictions. The amendments overall do not have restrictions, but that does not mean that society has not imposed restrictions on them. I don't see any... The Second Amendment has already been... 
Joy, I'm sorry to interrupt because you're so brilliant, and thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Joy, the, the Second Amendment has already been abridged, as you say. We can't go out and buy Tommy guns. After the crime sprees in the 1930s, the government banned the sale of Tommy guns. Can't get them. You can't use them legally anyway. So that's just one. Ep- that's just one. And as Mr. Biden likes to point out, you can't go out and buy a cannon. Well, whatever. But you're absolutely right. And by the way, that 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 privacy, that right to search and seizure, that by the way is where we get the so-called right to privacy that is underlying the entire issue of abortion. So not only have they been abridged, the Constitution has been expanded in ways that I bet the founders never thought possible. But you are a great caller, and I hope to hear from you again. You have absolutely a, not only a fluid knowledge of the American constitutional, um, the, his, the history of it and the meaning of it, but wow, you could be a teacher. Joy, thank you for the call. Appreciate it so much. Let's go to Isa. And I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, in Queens, New York. Hello, Isa. Welcome. WABC, you're on with James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdley. Hi, James. Nice to talk to you. Um, quick point. The easiest way to pass any evil plan is to title it as conspiracy theory. Then the people will stop looking at it. Um, just if you zoom out and you connect the dots between the big picture What's the connection between the United Nations helping the invasion of our borders from the south and the United Nations uh, treaty to um, overtake the um, uh, health uh, regulations or uh, the, the World Health pandemic. Assembly? Yeah, the World Health. And we've been talking about that. I said, thank you for the call. We've been talking about that World Health Assembly deal. Apparently, some of the amendments that were most egregious have been removed from it, but we do need an update on it. There are a lot of things we have to do. I'm going to have to, and I've been saying this, i got to call Michelle Bachman and get her because she is so knowledgeable about this. So we've got to put that on the list to make that happen. Okay, a few other stories before we get out of here. We've got so many calls, I can't get to them all. I'm so sorry. Um, we'll try to get to more tomorrow. But I want to run this by you. There's pressure on Joe Biden. Get this, the baby formula crisis has gotten worse. Worse. It is not getting better. And that is also not, that's in the Daily Mail UK today. That's not being reported on. Also, there are two stories about Hunter Biden. His ex has written a book. Jen, I'd love to get Kathleen Buell on with us. I don't... I don't really go into this stuff much, these these in-depths. He did that. He did that. He's such a miserable person. But some of this stuff that is in that, that Kathleen Buell is saying about how she found out that Joe was stooping the widow of his fallen brother, her daughters told her. I mean... And then she goes on and on. And there's more stuff, by the way, about the laptop. One other thing before we leave. You know, Nancy Pelosi's husband got busted for DUI. Have you noticed something funny? You don't see his mugshot anywhere. May God bless and protect each and every one of you and your families. Rush hour tomorrow at 4 o'clock. John Katz up next. We'll be back tomorrow. See you then. Bye.